Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Lyrically, I'm untouchable, uncrushable. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Punch the Face Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Stubbs. I appreciate you joining me here tonight. A big show tonight. We have an interview with... Uh, 360 Boxing Promotion uh, head honcho Tom Leffler, and as well joining us live here in about 30 minutes, uh, Tima Fomo Fo- Lopez, and I hopefully I didn't butcher his name, but hey, uh, that's what Adam Abramowitz is here for. He's going to help me out with that interview. Uh, Adam is fresh off of his weekend in Atlantic City where he got to watch uh, Sergey Kovalev suffer a crushing defeat. Uh, Adam, man, uh, thanks for coming on as always, and uh, you know, let's kind of get right into it, man. You were in Atlantic City what the hell happened on Saturday night? I got to tell you something. It was one of the craziest atmospheres after the knockout. I, I think it was similar in terms of the euphoria in the arena to when I was in San Antonio for uh, Broner Maidana, when Maidana won. I mean, it was a combination of, sh- of shock and elation and awe, and nobody knew what to do. Um, it was a great moment. Um, it was a very good fight. Kovalev had just had a very good sixth round. He was up on all the cards. And then suddenly, Alvarez lands this combination, you know, jab to the chest, overhand right, and Kovalev gets dropped, and it really comes from out of nowhere. And within a few moments, you know, he goes down again. There was that uh, crushing left hook. And then, you know, within a, a blink of an eye, the fight stopped. And, and literally in just 45 seconds, the whole trajectory of the night changed. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I went down to see the fight because I thought Alvarez was live. I've seen him a lot over the years. He had very skilled boxer, um, didn't get the opportunity sometimes uh, that he should have, but you know, it, it certainly uh, paid off. And from my perspective, I saw a really memorable night of boxing and you had a chance to not say a new star is born, but somebody who's very, um, can be very explosive. He's also a good boxer, but a really good name to add to the 175 mix. And uh, for Kovalev, uh, it's tough to see where he goes next. I'm not saying he should retire because he was doing very well. Uh, it's just, uh, he got caught. And uh, that air, uh, that mystique that he used to have, that air of invincibility is, uh, is gone now. And so uh, he's going to have to do some rebuilding. And uh, it was just a wonderful, strange, wild, fun night of boxing. And that's all we could ask for. Exactly. I mean, and that's what the sport of boxing is all about. You know, last week we had Kathy Duba here on the show. And while she wasn't overconfident in regards to the, the fight itself, you know, she was already looking ahead, as you know she should as a promoter, uh, as to what could be the next fight day for Kovalev, uh, you know, if, if, Bo, if, if Bebo would have won as well, uh, how that could possibly be the, the fight down the line, maybe not the most immediate fight, but maybe a fight in between uh, for both gentlemen, and then they fight each other. Now, all of that's went pretty much went to shit. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, my perspective from the fight itself was Kovalev was in control. I, I don't buy the fact that some people say he gassed. I'm not buying that. 
I will say maybe he was slightly overconfident with his defense and it was a little bit down and off guard. And he was able to get caught with that combination and go down. Um, you know, I'll maybe even believe some of what people say. Maybe his um, his, his uh, punch resistance is now worn down after being knocked down uh, and being knocked out. Uh, maybe that has now diminished some. Now, as far as him being a done fighter, I don't think so. Uh, but I don't know if we can say he's still in the elite class given what happened Saturday night. Yeah, I think so. I think he has to prove himself now against other top people. And one of the huge issues that he has is the 175-pound division is fantastic. And so there's not an easy fight, you know, to pick off a title here or there. You're going to have to beat somebody good. You know, one of the things that was amazing, I was talking with HBO people prior to the fight, and they had already been having negotiations with Kovalev and Bevel all weekend. And so not just it was rumored, that uh, they were discussing that fight. I mean, they were. They were actively. Cappy Duva already has a date for December 8th. I mean, I'm not going to say it was a formality because it was not agreed to, but this was something that was fairly far enough along that they were having negotiations pre-fight. So, yeah, a lot of plans went up uh, up in smoke, and that's part of the fun about boxing. I, I don't like it when... Uh, I'm not saying they didn't respect the opponent because I know that they did, but, you know, I, I, I'm always... Uh, superstitious about uh, you know counting my chickens before they hatch, and uh, so it was, a, it was a fun night of boxing. And I gotta agree with one of the things that you said. Uh, I have not seen a fight in a long time with worse takes than this one. You know this whole he gas thing. I mean it was just some of the. Cra- I mean he threw 57 punches in the sixth round, outlanded Alvarez by 20 percent, outthrown him out through Alvarez by 20% in the fifth and the fourth. And so he's having a great round, and then suddenly he just gasped. I just didn't see that at all. I've watched the fight a few times. Um, it, you know, the seventh round, Alvarez was doing well, but Kovalev had some moments too. I didn't see a sign that he just said, I'm done. Uh, I didn't see that whatsoever. And one of the problems that you can have with not just boxing fans, but media members, is that they have narratives that they bring into the fight and whatever the results of their preconceived notions are, they try to weave that into whatever existing narrative they have. And I think it's a mistake. And I feel like, you know, the people aren't watching the fights close enough. Kovalev did not gas. I'm not going to tell you that he was perfect. I think he had a huge mistake after the first knockdown where he didn't try and tie up. Uh, he definitely needed to uh, buy time. Instead, he tried to fight fire with fire to his uh, you know, it was, it was a mistake, but to, but to call him gassed, I mean, he got up two different times trying to fight and fire back. Uh, I just can't think of a worse recent take that I've seen than I've seen in boxing. Now, now we have to ask this question is, you know, we, we have to give credit to Elner Alvarez. Is he now the man to beat at 175? Because, you know, Adonis Stevenson inducting, and, you know, after seeing the results Saturday night, we may have a, a very good idea why he ducked him. Uh, Dimitri Bevo didn't look great, but won against Isaac Chalumba. Uh, Chalumba thinks he won the fight. That's another story another day. Uh, you have Art- Arturo Betterbev, who has contractual issues left and right, and who knows, you know, when he's going to be actually fighting more full-time. Does this now make Alvarez the guy at 175? 
I think any combination of Alvarez, Stevenson, and Bevel in the top three are perfectly legit. I have Alvarez at number one right now. If somebody wants to say it's Stevenson and pound their chest, I'm not going to get in a fight about it. Uh, he's certainly in the mix. I got to tell you something. Here's some local uh, color from, from that weekend. You know, after the fight, there's a press conference, and there's been this long-held rumor that Alvarez and Stevenson both did some sparring together a long time ago in Montreal. They're both based in Montreal. And, um, you know, Alvarez's camp was completely convinced that Stevenson never wanted to fight him. And I was talking to a few people close to Alvarez after the fight, and they laughed when I said, is Stevenson going to take this fight now? And they just started laughing. And, uh, I mean, to them, they're fully – they're not picturing any type of unification fight with Stevenson. Uh, they're going to have to go another direction, whether or not it's the rematch with Kovalev, and he does have a rematch option, or uh, the fight with Bivol. So I wouldn't expect to see Stevenson uh, anytime soon. But it was a fantastic performance, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun night of boxing. I mean, uh, you know, that's what you live for. The guy who, who fights the, you know, he really rises to the challenge and steps, you know, seizes his opportunity. And that's really, it's really a great night of boxing. Agreed, man. And it was glad to see HBO come back from their summer vacation. Um, you know, <laughs> they pretty much have been inactive here for the most part this summer. Uh, and they delivered here with this card. This was a very, I mean, uh, I mean, I, maybe pause on that. The main event delivered. The, the co-main yes. event, like I said, was a little bit underwhelming as far as I was concerned. I was expecting uh, Dimitri really to go out and just steamroll a guy in Isaac Chalumba, uh, but he didn't do that, and he didn't look really great. Does, does that really diminish his stock any, or do we give him credit for being able to stay in there with a crafty veteran? I mean, it's kind of you know, two, two takes to that. You know, Chalumba is a really tough guy who knows how to fight. He had been stopped once by Gavazdik, but that's when – Chalumba's arm essentially fell off and he essentially didn't want anymore. But, you know, he went 12 rounds with Kovalev. He's gone 12 rounds in all sorts of hostile circumstances. He knows how to fight. He's crafty. I, I thought Bivol looked good. I will say that. I, I, I don't... Um, I think the people were thinking he was just going to run right through Ch- Chalumba, which I didn't see. Um, <clears throat> I think there are things he can work on. You know, I think his inside fighting may still leave a little bit to desire be desired um uh you know one of the things that i saw is um i don't think chilomba could hurt him and it was strange to me when he would have some he'd get in the pocket and in range and land a couple of hard power shots then he would suddenly get out of the pocket on one hand you don't like to see somebody stay in too long to get countered so that's good training but on the other hand if a guy can't hurt you and um, you have a chance to really do damage. I saw a few times where I think he, he kind of stepped out maybe a little too soon, where he could have done a little more damage. And so uh, some of that is you know, he just doesn't have that, that 12-round pro experience yet. Uh, and then the other is, you know, he, I don't think he's had to go fight on the inside. And so these are all skills that he needs to develop on the next level. I thought it was a good fight for him. Um, I don't think it was poor. I don't think his stock really diminished in my eyes. But I understand there are other takes. How do you see it? Um, I'm kind of middle of the road. You know, I, I thought that, you know, we would see more out of him. I thought we would see more of an output. But like you said, Chalumba's not a um, a can by any sorts. You know, he's been in there with other top contenders, other champions, uh, and has fought and fought decently. You know, it hasn't came out on top on those fights. 
but I, I thought, you know, Dimitri would do more of it, would do more damage to him uh, of some sorts. I thought we would see some sort of killer instinct, and I, I've yet to really see that on a consistent basis from Dimitri to where I kind of wonder if he does get in a big fight, you know, if it would have been Kovalev next or if it's Alvarez next or whoever, um, you know, how will he deal with those other elite-level guys? And Saturday made me question a little bit if he's the guy that's going to take over the division. Um, you know, even Kathy Duva said last week that he is the future of the division since he's so young. I don't know if I can completely co-sign that quite yet. I, you know, Saturday night made me kind of pause a little bit on that before I say he's going to run over and just take over the division over the next couple of years. No, I think he's a candidate to do that. And, uh, you know, he's one of a few. And uh, But there's nothing guaranteed. I mean, I love this division. Uh, personally, I wish there would have been the World Boxing Super Series at 175, although I completely understand that it would cost too much money and too many promotional differences. But you have about eight or nine really good fighters at 175, and um, any of them may wind up emerging on top. So I'm... I think Bevel is in that class where he certainly could emerge, but I wouldn't put a bet on any of them yet. Um, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I'm really intrigued and excited. And, um, you know, the light heavyweight division has not typically been a great and deep division. There's usually been two or three, you know, really solid guys and then a lot of drivel. And, um, yeah, I think this is as deep as I've seen it in a long time. And, uh, you know, light heavyweights produce a lot of fire, uh, a lot of knockouts. They hit hard. Uh, it's not just a bunch of lumbering guys. You see a, a ton of variety in this division right now. You have Stevenson's left hand. You have Alvarez as a boxer puncher. You have Badu Jack, who's a tough guy. You have Bevel, who has his mixture of skills. You have Peter Bayev, who's a fantastic uh, knockout power. Um, you got a lot of different people that could emerge in this division, and I'm I'm very excited for it. Now, one more quick thing I do want to throw out to kind of tie a bow here on 175. Now, this is according to ESPN and their uh, schedule here for boxing. It's nothing on BoxRec for this, so I just want to say this is per ESPN, that November the 8th, uh, Adonis Stevenson is scheduled to defend his WBC championship against Alexander Gavostik. Now, how true that is, I don't know. ESPN must know something, uh, but that is according to them here on November the 8th. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's better than some of the other options that – uh, Adonis Stevenson has done recently, so, you know, good for him if this is a fight he's going to do. Uh, but that is what is per ESPN November 8th in Quebec City, so we'll see. I think it's his first mandatory in three and a half years. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Like, I, I honestly think it's it, that's the case. So, I knew there was a purse bid. I don't know who uh, – I heard that PBC might have won it, but I didn't see anything – there's been no press release yet about that date as a confirmation, but it's a really good fight. Um, you know, Gavazdik is younger and fresher, but he's also been dropped before. And, uh, to, I think Tommy, uh, Carpensi of all people, um, and Gavazdik could also be a little passive. So it really depends on, you know, who shows up, which version of him shows up, because I think if he, if he fights confidently, he, he can win the fight, but, uh, I think if he starts staring at Stevenson a little too much, he can uh, find himself in a lot of trouble. So it's a very intriguing fight if and when that does happen. Very true. And just think, I said here maybe, I think even as little as a year ago, that I thought Chad, Chad Dawson could actually come back and take over the division. Man, we got to start drug testing me before I start doing these podcasts. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I, I say some wild shit anymore. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, that's the tie bow here on 175. It's definitely a wide open division. You know, I hope, you know, Kovalev uh, gets back, gets healthy. Wish him the best of luck because we enjoy having Kathy Duva on the show. We need him to be a big star uh, so we can have Kathy on because she drops some good, good knowledge in regards to boxing. Now, uh, before our guest calls in, uh, again, we'll have Timofo Lopez join us here in about, about another 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, Adam, let's, let's talk about the other card here Saturday night that was yeah, uh, me- a complete. Yeah, let me let me just say one more thing about Atlantic City, and uh, okay, which is that uh, this is the first big boxing event they've had in four and a half years. There was a ton of casino closures in Atlantic City. Definitely a city that's been falling under tough times. And I got to tell you something: this new venue at the Hard Rock was fantastic. Uh, it seats about fifty-seven, fifty-eight hundred people. Great sight lines. Atlantic City was as busy on Saturday as I could ever remember seeing it. Uh, I hope boxing. Uh, returns there uh, at a more consistent basis. They are having a card uh, next weekend, uh, a, a top-ranked card at one of the other casinos. So it was great to see on a personal level. Uh, and I think fight fans really enjoyed it. So if, if uh, Hard Rock is going to be in the boxing business and you have a chance to get there, it's a nice venue there. So uh, I, w- I would encourage people to check it out. Yeah, definitely. It seemed like the energy was good. And I know uh, other people tweeted out photos and showing how large the crowd was. So uh, good for Atlantic City. You know, we need more places that, you know, are involved in boxing. It could be high bets. Uh, you know, at, at one time, Atlantic City was the Vegas of the East Coast in regards to getting big fights. So uh, yeah. let's hope this is a trend and let's hope, you know, the Hard Rock is the first to kind of, you know, put their flag down and say, hey, we're here. We're going to show boxing. So, you know, good for them. Good for them because we don't need everything being in the Barclays. We don't need everything in Madison Square Garden. You know, spread it, spread it out. Let it be in some of these other East Coast venues. Now, yeah. Let's kind of let's take it down a notch because we're going to get sad here. Yeah. It was a very sad, sad card on Fox yeah. uh, that, that yeah. actually preluded uh, the HBO card. I, I, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it because simply it was it was bad. Um, it ended up being one of the lowest at the I think it's the second lowest rated live sporting events in years. I mean, it was getting beat out by reruns of shows Saturday night during prime time. Um, you know, the card was headlined by Devin Alexander versus Andre Berto. Berto won a split decision uh, there in the welterweight division in a loser-go-home kind of fight. Uh, the co-main event was uh, Peter Quillen versus Jay Leon Love, which is a complete bore fest. Um, it was bad. I, I really I tried to watch it, but honestly, it, it was on and I was doing other stuff. It, it was bad. It was really tough to watch. Uh, did you catch up on the DVR upon getting home, or did you just kind of look at the Twitter feed and said, all right, I've seen enough? Well, I got to tell you something. I didn't see any of the Quillen fight because I was in the, the undercard in Atlantic City and everybody was uh, tweeting out how awful the fight was and uh, how Jaleon Love just didn't even come to fight. And I wasn't going to subject myself. Like I watch enough bad boxing when I'm sitting at home or I'm out and I'm, I'm engaged and watching it. Like I don't want to run home to go watch bad boxing. So I, I, I spared myself that um as far as the main event uh i think most people or almost everybody had devin alexander winning which was not the official result uh berto won and uh and if it's a bad decision or not i i think the the more pressing issue is devin alexander can't you know he was losing the later rounds of the fight and if you can't close on andre berto after you've knocked him down uh, and Andre Berto, you know, he can't really move anymore. Like he still fights, but you know, if you can't beat that 
semi-retired version of Andre Berto, like you don't really have much business being on TV. And um, I, honestly, I, you know, the, there's these crossword fights where the loser goes home. It seems like both should go home after that fight, right? I mean, I don't, I don't need to see any of them again. And I'm sure, you know, this gives Berto one more opportunity to get knocked out by somebody. But it's just, uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's just not a fight that I don't. You know, I'm, Andre Berto's time has come and gone. Unfortunately, he wasted a lot of his top years with um, chaos in his corner and him not being a good student of the game. Uh, he had some talent. He had the PBC. This, this predates PBC, but he had. He was one of Al's favorites. He had all. He had HBO behind him. I mean, really, the world was his oyster, and I think he squandered a lot. And uh, you know, so be it. I don't. I mean, Al is loyal to some of his guys, and uh, Al, you know, Berto will get another fight in 2019 that means something to somebody, but it's not going to mean anything to me. Shout out to all the fans of Camp Berto. So, I mean, that that's the only thing yeah. to look forward to is we will have that another is. series of phenomenal tweets about Camp Berto. That's the only Berto's thing. Next fight. That's the only thing. Now, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and call my shot right now because I know how these things how wacky they work. Andre Berto's next fight is either going to be against the loser of um, Garcia Porter, or he's going to get Errol Spence. I don't know how it'll work in the rankings, but I'm telling you, knowing how PBC works, that's going to be one. Of, that's going to be his next opponent. He's going to be one of those guys. It's going to be a combination at three because they're going to be able to sell him as a guy coming off of a win. He's going to be facing another big name in the welterweight division. You know, it's easy pickings for whoever he fights next. Yeah, I don't think he'll fight Porter again. Porter knocked him out, and I think that was pretty definitive. But if Garcia winds up being either a winner or a loser, to be honest, because Garcia, you know, always loves his marking time fights. And it's not like he jumps from one, you know, he, he does fight people, Danny Garcia, but he takes his sweet time to do it. So I could definitely see him having a uh, intermediate fight in February or something next year as he either coming off a loss or coming off a win uh, as a way to make another million and a half dollars to do not much. So good for him. <laughs> Easy again, easy money if you can get it. So yeah, you know, let, let me tell you something. Dan, Danny Garcia is not a love guy. We know that, but Danny Garcia's accountant has been very happy. Danny Garcia Ooh. has made some good money in the sport, and uh, you know I'm not saying I would have made some of the choices he made, but the guy is going to wind up retiring with uh, he'll have made over twenty million dollars probably in the sport with all said and done. Not that I'm counting other people's money, but I'm just saying he's done very well. Considering if you remember he was brought in to lose against Amir Khan. Nobody gave him much of a shot against Matisse. And for him to, you know, make twenty million dollars or whatever out of the sport before it's all said and done, I mean, that's pretty impressive. He damn impressive. And and he showed up in those fights, so you can't knock him at all for that. And I mean no, as he much did. as we should have he showed up for those fights and stepped up in it and, and as well as the Thurman fight. We gotta give him his his just due as well. So um now Adam, we do have a caller who's calling in. We got a couple minutes here before Mr. Lopez shows up, so let's bring our caller on. A caller here from the uh four one five, you live on Punch the Face Radio. Caller, are you there? Well, we may just have a listener, so you know. No, I, I I was here just just not wise enough to get off mute. What's going on, fellas? Larry out in San Francisco. How you doing? Good, Larry. How are you? Larry. No, doing doing well. 
Hey, I wanted to talk uh, Kovalev real quick. I um, I get fights wrong, you know, every you know four or five years or so. I might miss one, but uh, <laughs> this one was this one was a bad whiff. I I went into the fight thinking that uh, Alvarez's best outcome was to lose eight or nine rounds and hide away on the outside, trying to work behind the jab and stay out of the range of fire. Uh, but I was very uh, Pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised, based on how you look at it, but I was very impressed. He had everything on Kovalev that night. Hand speed, foot speed. He was the bigger man. He was a smart fighter. Uh, Kovalev won rounds, don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, he was never comfortable. Uh, He was taking body shots. He was taking jabs and had to overcome a lot just to do what he did. Uh, So uh, big ups to the leader, Alvarez. I did not think he had a shot and. I came out of that fight thinking, man, he's one of the one of the better fighters in the division, and can't wait to see him get back in there again and back that up. Well, th- thanks, Larry. You know, and I'll come back to the question in a second because I'm curious on your take. But the thing about Alvarez is he's kind of a maddening fighter. You know, he's not always that entertaining. Uh, he kind of fights up or down to his level of competition to a degree. Uh, I've seen him stink out fights for wins. I've seen him be indifferent for rounds at a time. I've also seen him look fantastic. And, you know, the issue is, could he put it all together? And that's one of the things I talked about going into the fight. Like, I think he had the talent to win. It's just, could he put it all together? And for that one night that he did. um, My question to you is, who in the division uh, right now, who do you think uh, gives Alvarez his toughest fight with his style. What, what, if you played matchmaker for a second, who would you steer him clear of, or is there anybody you would steer clear of? Larry, are you on mute? Not mute. You still can you hear me now? Yeah, go ahead, Larry. Hey. Yes. No, for 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 me, Adam, that that it's easier for me to answer that because I do think uh, Bebol is the best fighter in the division. And I think his ability to move and his ability to have a uh, very punch uh, assortment uh, gives him that edge. And he's young. He's got his first weight class. So I have him. I I, I would take him over over Alvarez. But like I said before, based on what I saw uh, last Saturday, that fight between an Alvarez and a Bebo now is much closer uh, than I thought it would have been before. Yeah. What, what do you think? No, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, you know, Al, as I said, Alvarez is one of these guys. He's a really good trainer with Mark Ramsey, by the way. He, he used to work with right. Pascal. Um, so their game plan was right on. I mean, in terms of they're trying to take Kovalev to the second half of the fight. And um, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I think both these guys still have more to progress. And even though Alvarez is 34, uh, he's kind of a young 34. You know, he hasn't been in a lot of wars. Um, I feel like both of them, he and Bibble, have different levels to get to. So. I'm not going to pick that at this point, but I, I'd love to see it, and I think it'd be a really compelling night of boxing. No, couldn't couldn't agree more. And uh, if not Bevo, hopefully in there sometime soon against uh, somebody super competitive. But uh, appreciate the uh, the show as always, guys, and have have a great rest of your night. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Larry. Thanks. All right, Adam. We'll be joined here in a few moments here by Mr. Timofo. I see him already screwing up his Tia name. Fimo. Calling Tia Fimo. <laughs> Tia Fimo Lopez. I may just call him Mr. Lopez, making feel old. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> the scary thing with him is he literally just turned 21 last week. 
Yeah. Like yeah, he... this. This, you know, we we only got a couple seconds. I just got to say, man, top rank, they're doing the right thing with these young guys, and it seems like they're building some beasts. They they've got some talent there, and you know, me and you have said, and and obviously we're going to talk to Mr. Lopez in regards to this, but we think he may be the the brightest of this young crop they have. But they have so many more dates now coming now that they have this official long deal now with ESPN. It's almost like I can't wait who they ring upon next like they've got me kind of fiending a little bit like okay you've given me this what's what, what's next what's going to be the next hot thing after this because they've just kind of been pushing them out and they're, they're they're matching them up correctly you know building them up some will say they're getting cupcakes and it's to be debated a little bit but they're doing the right thing I think and I'm glad that they're giving these kids these opportunities they're making stars out of guys who would for having less than 20 fights well, you have to think about it this way. With the, uh, you know, 16 dates they're going to have uh, on ESPN plus another 12 or 14 or something on ESPN plus. I might have gotten that reversed, 14. It's about 30 dates a year of top-ranked boxing on ESPN or ESPN plus. Um, think about the ability to have a stable development path now for these guys. In, in the past, they'd have to wait on HBO to give them dates or – They'd have to slap people on undercards because now they can plan out, okay, we got three or four fights for this guy. This is the timetable we'd like to put him on. We have this money now in the budget that we can get a good opponent if we need them. Uh, from a planning per- and a development perspective, this is a really good deal for these guys. So uh, you're right. They have the opportunity. They have the, the backing behind them. They have um, everything going in their favor. It's up to them now to produce. I mean, Teofimo Lopez just had his 10th fight, and he was a co-feature on ESPN card. Now, you might say, well, that fight itself may not have been a co-feature worthy, but I got to tell you something. He looked like a million bucks that night. Um, he has real skills. You know, I can't see HBO putting a guy who is 9-0 in that slot. Now, maybe no. HBO is right, but maybe Top Rank was right, too. Maybe he's like, listen, sure. you know, we got to develop these stars earlier. We got to get more eyeballs out of them. We got to build more of a narrative to these guys. I agree with that. I love how England does it where they show the whole card. They show six, seven fights. These young guys have been developed and seen. So when they're ready to break into that world level, people are very familiar and have a vested interest in them. So I am in favor of that. And I think it's an exciting progression uh, in how boxing is shown in America. It's, you know, to, to use a term for the music industry, you know, music industry has what they call artist development, where you're getting these guys out, making them, you know, hit the road and, and do smaller shows and smaller clubs and work radio. This is fighter development. They're putting these guys on, on sometimes smaller shows or getting them the opportunity to be in the opening fight on a bigger card, but they're getting that experience and they're getting that opportunity to get more eyes on them. Now, if they're not on ESPN, they're at least on the ESPN app to where people can watch them either live on the app or can go back and watch it. People say, oh, man, you missed this crazy fight on the undercard. So, again, that helps build that buzz and help build that uh, that momentum that these kids have. And it, it's such a – it's a different game that we're in now compared to five years, compared to ten years ago, oh, definitely yeah. 15 to 20 years ago. It's just that the game is so much different for these guys and for these promoters being able to develop. You know, And I, I got to revert back to last week and talking to Kathy Duba. She said that you need smaller shows to build your stars – but then you need to have that platform to once they are a star, how you can now make that money back that you invested in them when they were fighting on those smaller shows. And 
And right now, top rank is they got the blueprint for it, and it's working for them. So you, you got to give tip your hat to them for that. Well, think about it now. Um, you know, Teofimo Lopez uh, looked great in his last fight, and I didn't see it live. I, I was something else was going on that night, and you know, I was following along, and everybody was telling me how incredible he looked, and so I was able to go back and watch it. And you know, in the old days, you know, if you missed, you know. You know, pre DVR, so like let, let's let's see, go into that technology, which is only about ten years old. You know, you missed that fight, you missed it, or you had to wait till HBO showed a rebroadcast or something like that. And now, you know, you can always see these fights once they're on, and it creates an opportunity for whoever wants to to follow these fighters. It's just so much easier now to do it. So, and that way, technology has been very good for boxing. I'm not going to say it's been amazing. I think there are you know, pluses and minuses, but from the ability to follow the fighters now, it's easier than ever. Very true, very true. So uh, he should be joining us here in a few more moments here uh, to talk about what's going on. I know he, um, he had his hand injury. Definitely want to get an update from him in regards to that. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's good times here for, for everyone involved. And, you know, while we got a second, speaking of streaming, um, shout out to Tom Lefter, who we'll talk to here in a few moments. We'll air that interview. Uh, Hollywood Fight Nights is, uh, I actually think it's starting now, or it could be starting here in a little bit. Uh, so, you know, to all the listeners, after you listen to the show, if you're listening live, go to 360promotions.us, support Tom. I'm plugging that because Tom took out the time to come on our show. So we want to plug what he's got going on. So Hollywood Fight Nights, 360promotions.us. It's free streaming. You can watch some of these young guys and young female fighters as well. Uh, the 360 promotions that Tom is working with, not all of them are signed to Tom. Uh, some of them are just getting an opportunity to fight. Some of them are, are auditioning uh, to get signed. So, you know, you got to love that. You got to love that, that opportunity uh, that those fighters are, are getting by um, being a part of that kind of program. And as well, let me let me get your take on this while we have some time, while um, – well, um, actually, we're getting a message here now from people top rank. Uh, your opinion on this? This weekend, you're going to have Golden Boy is going to have their first card here on Facebook Facebook Watch. Uh, what do you think of how that's going to work out? And uh, you know, Joseph Diaz is going to be on there, and I'm thinking a couple weeks they're going to have Ryan Garcia. What's your take on the whole Golden Boy Facebook Watch uh, situation? Well, you know, this is all, um, you know. It depends on how it's spun. You could spin it to say it's a development in boxing. You could also spin it to say that it's bad for boxing. So the positive spin is it's another platform for people to be seen. Uh, Facebook definitely can deliver eyeballs, especially in younger viewers. Uh, The negative is it's not on TV, and casuals are not going to be able to find it flipping through television. And so, you know, on one hand, you know, it's like, Facebook is now taking baseball games off and just showing it for on Facebook. And I can't think at this point in time that that's a net positive for the baseball teams. I know they're getting a lot of money, uh, but from a, from a fan scenario, I can't imagine that that's perfect. So uh, if, if this enables golden boy to have a couple more cards and to invest a little bit more money in them, uh, so be it. I thought they had an ESPN development deal and uh, I don't know what is or is not going with that. But uh, if it allows them to do a little bit more, if it allows main events to put a couple more shows on a year with a little bit more money, then that's fine. But, you know, I, I have to think that it's kind of like the death of the club show has led to this void. There used to be that Friday Night Fights level fight, uh, which is pretty much gone for the most part, which is a shame. 
because these would all be kind of that developmental or kind of in-between fights. And, you know, that level of boxing right now is not on TV in a consistent basis. So I think there's good that they're embracing technology, but I'm not really sure that this is a long-term plan to, you know, get more eyeballs. Yeah, and it's definitely odd that, you know, Golden Boy is putting some of their top-tier guys there on that, you know. Ryan Garcia being on there, I thought, was kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, there's even talk of Jorge Linares having his return bout being on there as well. So it seems like that may be the new platform for them uh, going forward, and we may not see any more dates from ESPN, uh, from Golden Boy. But granted, we, yeah. they're on the schedule here on the boxing schedule on ESPN.com. It's strange. I, I don't know. Um, I did get yeah. a message in that the team of foe is calling in as we speak. We're still waiting for it to pop up on our side. Um, Good stuff. Yep. So he's uh, he so should be coming you, here in a moment. Were you um, surprised that ESPN and Top Rank already ripped up their old deal and announced this expansion? Because obviously there was no uh, impetus that they had to do it. Um, it. Obviously it's a good sign for Top Rank, but uh, – I didn't expect something like this and so robust in the way they're building out their uh, international programming, of uh, getting international fights. That was impressive to me. And it's not just some top rank carrying top ranks water. I mean, I, I certainly been critical. You could ask their PR people uh, from time to time, but uh, you know, I'm very impressed by, uh, you know, many facets of this deal and frankly being tied with ESPN over the long term is, is going to be is going to create some stability for boxing. So I do think that's a good thing. What's what's your sense of that? Well, Adam, I'll wait on my take on that because the Fantastic. takeover is now live on air. The takeover Great. is now a part of Punch and Face Radio. Mr. Lopez, we've been waiting for the takeover, man. Thank you for calling into the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can. Uh, this is uh, Adam Abramowitz. I'm joined with Brandon Stubbs and, um, uh, you know, congratulations on your last fight. Um, you know, really solid performance against a guy who'd been durable in the past. Um, let's start right at uh, uh, current status. We know that you uh, hurt your right hand. Uh, how's the hand doing? What's, uh, what's uh, the timetable for coming back? What's the latest? Well, um, right now, basically, I don't have a cast no more. So that's a great thing. I don't have to wear a cast. Um, Right now, and I'm also starting to do hand therapy. So I'm, I'm on my therapy right now on my hand. Uh, Dr. Shin, who who's the one that Top Rank, uh, for, you know, who Top Rank sent to me, um, was Dr. Shin. They, uh, he told me I should start using my right hand in October, and most likely he could see me fighting again November, December of this year, okay. the end of this year. Was that yep. the first time you would hurt your hands in a, in a fight, or had that been something you'd experienced before? No, I've never had hand problems. I've always taken care of my hands because at the end of the day, this is what <laughs> this is what makes the money, right? So um, yeah. for 15 years boxing, I've never had hand problems, and you know it just happened to be that time. So, um, but I fought through it for five rounds, five extra rounds, fighting with a fractured uh, fractured right hand, and ended up getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Well, good deal. Well, we're glad at least to hear that you know it's not going to be something that's long term. Uh, you know, but with the hand injury, are you, you know, worried that, you know, we've heard a lot of boxers have, you know, ongoing hand issues as their career goes on. Uh, you know, is that going to make you any sort of, you know, hesitant at all in ring when you do get back in ring and able to start sparring again and, and get that first fight? Or is that something you just already kind of 
blocking out and just knowing your hand is going to be all right and just you're going to just throw it to throw it. Yeah, it's um, everything happens for a reason, guys. I, I believe in God and I believe that everything that He does for me is is for a reason. So me breaking my hand or whatever <laughs> it might sound messed up, but it's to show people that I can fight through anything. I'm not worried about it. Uh, when I come back, most likely I should be back in December. I've talked to uh, a couple guys from Top Rank, but right now it's to basically get my my hand back in motion and back to normal. Um, well, most likely I'm looking forward to December in Madison Square Garden. If anything, if uh, if I do return, um, if I do recover, you know, um, right, just healthy and everything. I'm not worried about it though. This is the fight game, guys. I, well, <laughs> if it happens again, it happens again. But but all I could do at this point is just just heal and just pray that it doesn't happen again. So I've I've heard some like great great stories about people in training and some of the stuff that they're coaches work on with them and i know some boxers uh their coaches will tell them okay this round you're just going to use your left hand or this round you're going to just use your right hand like let's practice this had you ever done any exercise of just working one hand during sparring or during training just you know for that scenario absolutely sparring is not about beating up the guy that you you working with sparring is to work on the things that you you need to work with when you come into the fight when it's time to fight fight you know, that's how I work on uh, There's certain things, you know. Sometimes I might be stronger than the – well, most of the time I'm stronger than the guys I spar with, but so I, I need to – I work on other things, my defense, or I work with my jabs and on my left hand. I work on, you know what, let me see how many times I can hit this guy in the same spot with my right hand and things like that. That's what sparring is all about. Sparring is about finding your distance, uh, your distance and also, you know, um, basically getting used to it so when you go into the fight, you already know what you're going to do because you, you planned on it and you worked on it throughout the camp, throughout the whole training camp. You know, sparring you is not about – sparring, see, the thing is that people, like, with my father, when um when I went to Robert Garcia's gym, you know, and Top Rank sent me over there, I was sparring with a couple of his fighters, Robert Robert Garcia's fighters, and I just told my father, I was like, I need rounds. I know you want me to stop these guys, and I could do it, and I stopped one of them. You know, I was supposed to do six, eight rounds, and I, and they stopped at four. Uh, you know, and that's because my dad told me to turn it up. And I told him, I was like, listen, what do you want me to do here? You want me to stop these dudes and I, and I get the rounds in? Or do you want me to get the rounds in so that we could be, so we could stop the dude when it comes to, when it really matters the most, you know, when it's fight time. And then he's like, yeah, you're right. I was like, all right, then if I'm fighting 10 rounds, I need to get, I need to get these 10 rounds in because these guys are not going to hang in there with me. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, uh, these are things that I even tell my father, who's my coach, you know, he gets excited. And I just tell him, Listen, we'll stop these dudes when I fight, when it really matters. <laughs> right now, it's just sparring. That's all it is. <laughs> um, where, do you usually, where do you usually hold training camp, or have you gone to various places? Do you have a routine that's uh, set up that's worked for you? Um, me, I'm, I'm just thankful and I'm blessed to be at top rank, you know, top rank gym and everything, and I get to go there whenever I want. So that's the best part about it. I train whenever I want, whatever time, and that's where I'm based out. Based out of is in Las Vegas. And I train at top rank gym most of the time. Actually, all of the time. All the time. Yeah. And I'm the only one, I believe. Yeah, I'm the only one from top rank. That, so far, I'm the only Chinese from top rank that's, that lives in Vegas at the moment and trains at the gym. Now, now speaking of top rank, they we know verbatim they love you. You're one of the young faces of this, this crop of talent they have that you're being pushed out to the forefront. Uh, with that being stated, when it came time to sign a promotional deal, what made Top Rank 
make the most sense for you? Uh, well, you know, we had other promoters that wanted me as well. Uh, one of them was Lou DiBella, Lou DiBella Entertainment. He really wanted to push the thing with, uh, huh? Hello? Hello? Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're here. We can hear yeah, you. We can hear you. Okay. okay. So there was, I had, there was, I had, know, and, but I decided, uh, I decided Top Ring was the better option. Uh, my pro debut starting in, uh, undercard of Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas. Also, they'll have me fighting at Madison Square Garden and the amount of fights I get per year. So, um, everything like that, it just worked out perfectly. So, what better way than to, to, than to, you can't say no to that, you know? A lot of these fighters, you know, they try to sign with, um, Roy Mayweather and things, but you got to look at the contract. And even for all the young, uh, anybody that's listening, look at how many fights you get per year. Because at the end of the day, you don't, it doesn't mean anything if people cannot go out there and see how you, how you perform, you know? Um, and that's how I looked at it. You know, of course I got paid well. I, I got paid well off because I was an Olympian. But the matter of fact of it is how many fights you get during that time and year. So um, it worked out best. Look, I'm 10 fights already, 10 fights in, um, WBC Continentals, American champion. And <laughs> most likely I'm already going to fight for a world title by next year. So it worked out perfectly. When you see guys, um, <clears throat> your fellow prospects like Shakur Stevenson and Michael Conlon, I know you've had an opportunity to uh, meet them and, and get to know them a little bit over the years. Um, what's the relationship like with some of the other talent that Top Rank has? Obviously, you're fighting on the same cards from time to time, but tell us a little about your relationship with, with Shakur Stevenson and Michael Conlon in particular. No, they're all cool guys, man. Um, we all know each other very well. I've known Shakur for many years since I was like 13, 14 years old. We both were around the same age, 13 years old. So I've known Shakur for a lot of, for like almost 10 years now. And, um, you know, and Michael Collin, I recently got to know him at the Olympic Games and everything like that. So, um, so honest, honestly, we just keep to ourselves. That's really what it is, you know. They do their part, I do my part, and we just go our separate ways, you know. Um, as in relationship-wise, uh, it's just business, guys. You know, they probably think that we'll meet up one day. Me, I, I don't care. So I don't look <laughs> at it like that. For them, they might. For them, they look at it maybe competition-wise. I don't know. Me, I just look at it like it's normal. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, I don't care. Hey, keep moving forward. You know, but they're they're good they're good guys, and I wish them nothing but the best throughout their career. And I really hope that they become what top rank believes that they'll be, and everybody else out there. Yeah, I don't look. Now, see, one thing about me, I don't look. I don't. I'm not bashing. See, the thing is, it's like, um, so for instance, like the Ryan Garcia and things like that. I don't. I don't hate on nobody, and I don't bash on no fighter. I'm just doing my part, you know. And I think that that's the thing that people get upset about is that I'm doing me, and I'm doing it. The way, I don't have to prove nothing to nobody. I don't have to prove nothing to nobody, and I, I choose not to because at the end of the day, you're never gonna satisfy anybody, anyways. So just do what you do, and that's it. You know, I feel like these fighters, they, they have something to prove. I really don't. I really don't have anything to prove but just to do what, what I was sent here to do, and that's about it, man. I wish nothing but the best for every other fighter. If they come across and they got to be in my way, it's just, you know, I got to smack them around and get out my way, and I got to keep moving forward. <laughs> it's, and, and I enjoy what I do. I love it. Well, we can yeah. definitely tell, and that was going to be my question to you, you know, is how are you dealing with 
the hype because right now there, there's there, let's keep it real. Oh, the hype. Surrounding. Whoa, the it's, hype. It's hype. It's hype. It's hype in a good oh, way. It's hype in a good way. Oh, in a good way. A With the exposure you get, you young. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying you're all hype. No, I'm saying like the, the energy that's around. Just good energy. In a good way. In a good way. I'm not trying to go you. But in a good way. But how are you dealing with that? Because you, we see a lot of these young fighters, they can't deal with the, with the stardom. And you seem to be actually dealing with it really well for someone so young. Yeah, I just turned 21. It, it changes once. Uh, I've been corrupt. I've been screwed so many times by the M- by USA Boxing, by AABA, uh, winning the U.S. Olympic trials and not rep- not being able to. Just even winning the U.S. Olympic trials and they say no to you when you want it. Got your hand raised. And and on national television, they say no, you're not going. After <laughs> afterwards, um, it changes your whole your whole mindset on how how you look at things, the stardom, everything. God, God. One thing about me is that the only man I fear is him, is God, the man up above. Why? Because I've I've had that little stardom or whatever you whatever you you're trying to say. I've had it happen three times in the amateurs, and I thought I you know I got big headed and things like that. And you think that you're unstoppable. Next thing you know, God touches your shoulder because you're not acting, you're not, um, you know, you think that you know it all, and he'll touch your shoulder. And next thing you know, when you lose, you go into a fight, and you lose that that fight. Everybody walks away, and everybody acts like they don't know you. So um, I've had that happen to me three times. Third time, I really, really learned my lesson. I said, oh, heck no. So I keep it I keep it normal. To me, what I get, um, I've learned to how to block it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I've learned how to to um to adapt to the situation. I'm 21 and I can actually drink now, but I don't drink. Uh, it's an option. You, we all, we all. I, I'm 20 and this is real. Um, if I go out to a club, you're gonna see me drink Coca-Cola, not not liquor. You know, a lot of these young prospects, a lot of these young fighters, they're going and hanging out with celebrities and they don't know how to act. And these are the things that that it's it, you're not even there yet. That's the thing, you know. We're not even there yet. I'm not even there yet. And when I do be where wherever God's taking me, wherever I go, where I'm wherever I'm headed, I'm still gonna act the same way. That's why I say I'm two different people. I'm one I'm one person in the boxing world. I'm another person outside the outside the boxing world. That's how I'm always I'm always gonna be. You know, I actually interact with the fans. I try to let them let them get the inside of the a boxer's world, a boxer's life, you know, but it's not easy. But I try to make the best of it. Tiafima, who were uh, who were some of the fighters that you really looked up to when you were a kid growing up? Um, the main two, to be honest, was um, actually three. Was I really loved the way uh, Bruce Lee, his mindset, the way he would say things and everything. Um, that's one guy I admired. Floyd Mayweather was another one. The way he he actually there's a saying that I, I made up. There's a saying I made up. Um, and it was in my last camp. I said, and I was doing track. I was doing sprints and everything like that before, you know, closer to the fight. And I thought about it, and I was like, "What says what sets Floyd different from all the from everybody else? It's about it's not how you it's not about how you got it. It's how you kept it. Yeah. You get me? Yeah. It's not about how you got it. It's how you kept it. That's the only thing that makes you different. Floyd learned how to keep that O. Floyd learned how to keep Money Mayweather. That's what it was. He learned how to keep it. So that sets the difference. That sets the whole – everybody could get it. Like right now, I, I got it. Uh, Shakur got it. Michael Conlon got it. But who's going to really keep it at the end of the day? 
we'll have to wait and see. So you know? that, that that just shows right there. So um, that's how. I, that's how I looked at it with Floyd. And then Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was another great influence. I felt like Mike Tyson, the way he had that rage, that's how I feel deep down inside. I do not like anybody in the boxing world. I do not like no reporters. I don't like anybody. I do not like nobody because I know how it is. And that's just how I'm going to be. Because at the end of the day, in this boxing world, we're full, it's, it's, I'm in there with sharks. <laughs> I'm in there with sharks, and that's how I'm going to see it. So I don't care about it, and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And the reason why I, I have so much fun when I'm fighting in that ring, it's because not one damn person could tell me what the hell to do. <laughs> not one. Not one person could tell me what the hell to do. I do what I, what I please to do, and I get away with it. Why? Because that's my world. At that, that's my stage, and I, and I run it. It sounds, it sounds like I don't know how you guys want to take it, but I feel, very, I feel happy. I feel, that's my, that's my, my comfort zone right there. Mm-hmm. No, it makes yeah. sense. I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the guy that that you guys. I don't know what you guys want me to be. I'm just gonna keep it real. That's all it is. No, I'm gonna fine. say the things. I'm, and I'm gonna say the things that these fighters are scared to say. And and, but I'm gonna back it up. I'm always gonna back it up. And I understand that you guys, um, might say like, oh, but he hasn't fought anybody yet, or we we will have to wait to see if he could get to the longer rounds and how he how he performs and. Just give me time. Give me, give me this, give me that time, and I trust me, and I promise y'all, you guys have not seen anything yet. And trust me, I'm gonna change the way how you guys look at it. Watch. Well, I, I can tell you this from from our aspect, we're not the ones saying that. We actually like you. Uh, we think. We think uh, <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't. And I don't like anybody. I'm not, I'm not saying. Yeah. Look, yeah, I'm not saying. We really saying, hate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying it's you guys. No, I'm just saying right, in general. Right. You know. Yeah, general, generally speaking, that's what I'm saying. You know, see, see, and for, yeah. Can you can you give us a little flavor of of the Olympics and uh, tell us um, a funny story or a fun story from Rio? What's uh, what's one of the really good <laughs> memories you have going down to Rio? Uh, one of the memories is uh, after it was me and Gary Russell, which is I've known the Russells, the the, the family, for since I was like ten years old or maybe nine. And I grew up with all of them, Antoine, uh, Junior, and Antonio, and the other brother, Alan. They have so many of them. But what I'm trying to get to is when Gary Russell lost, when he got robbed, and when I lost, when I got robbed, we went to, um, <laughs> I don't know if I should, okay, so we went in Brazil, it's Brazil. And it's like this little, uh, this little place that you can actually have some fun with women. And um, funny thing, I might put this guy on blast, uh, Anthony Joshua was there. It was hilarious. It was a great moment, though. It was funny, and it was it was just funny. Uh, we talked to him. We, uh, you know, me and me and Russell, we had a good time. It was just a good moment, and uh, that's one thing I can actually I can remember. Like that was really fun. Very good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> I, I gotta say, yeah, you completely yeah. you're holding court right now on the show. My my Twitter timeline. I, people are loving it. I will openly say this. You're welcome back anytime to talk about anything you want because right. you're keeping it real. You're keeping it honest. You're keeping it 100, and that's what this show is all about. We're not here for the fake. We we, we, we want to be nice to the fighters. We get all that, but we got to ask them the tough questions. You just pretty much just put it out there without us even asking. 
and it's making this very easy. We appreciate that. No, nah, but sometimes, sometimes I set my I set myself up, so I gotta chill out with that. <laughs> See, Steve, I got I got I got I got an important question for you. I got an important question for you. Between this is a top ranked question. Between Vasily Lomachenko and you, who does the better backflip? Oh come on, guys! Oh, of course it's me. Come on, what kind of question is that? The man's only done one backflip, and, and he almost busted his butt doing it. So yeah, trust me. He, the reason why he stopped doing backflips is because they told him. But me, they know I can do it. So yeah, it goes to show right there. Uh, you know, maybe we'll meet. You never know. Probably we'll meet in like two years, a year and a half or so. Me and me and Lomachenko. Yeah, if he stays at one thirty-five. And um, I heard Mikey Garcia is going up to 47, so I heard. Um, so those two belts might be what, vacant. What class is Mikey not yeah. going to go to? Mikey's always going to some weight class. What's new? Loving, but he has to pick a weight class to stick. <laughs> They're going to start calling it Mikey weight, you know? Yeah. Pretty Honestly, much. I think it's just that. I think you know what it is. It's just it's all about the paper right now. These guys, uh, Lemachenko, Mikey Garcia, you know, they're getting older, and they need to just they need to cash out. That's all it is. You're just trying to cash out before the time is up. You know, we got the, you got the young ones coming up. <laughs> well, Tiafima, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today, and you're welcome anytime. And, and Brand, do you have anything else you'd like for Tiafima? Uh, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, we're not – I can speak for myself here in and Adam as well. We're not one of those who are, are minusing away from your career. We actually have you part of, of the 25 and 25, you know, 25 fighters under the age of 25 – uh, who are going to take over the sport of people should keep an eye on. You made that list. Uh, you're the highest-ranking guy you. there amongst top rank because I think that highly of you. So, you know, don't think all media are dicks. Trust me, there's a lot of them. I'm not one of them. Adam's not one of them. You're, you know, we call it how it is. Trust me, I've called out people by name on this show. It's nothing new here. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome back anytime, man. Get that hand healed up. I know you can't play Fortnite, right? Or, or can you play Fortnite now? That's just the cast is off. I'm Are you gonna, back to playing Fortnite yet? Right now I'm in New York. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm heading back to Vegas. I've been traveling like crazy. Uh, I'm right now I'm in New York. I'm back home in Brooklyn. I spent some time with my family out here. And um, but uh, I'm when I get back home I'm gonna try to play. If I can't, I'm gonna be very upset. I've already been like two months out. I've been two months out, guys. It's killing me. That's all well, I do though. That that's it's the best thing I love about Vegas is that I just go out there and I, it's all about training for me. Yeah. 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 yeah thank you guys for having me. When thank I'm out you there. so much. <laughs> yeah. Best yeah, of no luck. Worries, man, man. Yeah. Get get healthy, man. We'll see you back here end of this year, man. God bless and thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Oh, all right. Take thank care. Yeah. Well, that was fun. All right. That was extremely funny. You know, I didn't, think I, get, I, I didn't think I was going to get the Anthony Joshua brothel story, but, uh, but good stuff. I'm very excited about that. Very good. You know what? That, I actually, you know what I'm going to do? Um, most, I think most good media people would get a scoop like that and they'd get so excited and they'd be like, ah, you know, I got something. But you know what? I want people to listen to the show for the interview. I don't even care about you know whatever whatever he might have said or not have said about Joshua, like you know what he's a he's a great young kid and he I think he has a good head on his shoulders. Now, granted, we've seen this before; it could go any any which way. Very Exciting true, talent. Bro. He has a bright bright future ahead of him. I mean, he he's 
you know, he's fun to talk to, right? Really engaging, has his own opinions, his own way of life, like really impressive stuff. Absolutely. And it's nothing. And you and I both know this from doing, you know, being in this industry, we interview guys, you know, they give the cookie cutter answers. Oh, that's the worst. He didn't do that. And anytime you have a fighter or anyone in boxing who comes on and they shoot straight from the hip, that makes for some of the best interviews from the best radio. So big shout out, big thank you to uh, Timofomo Lopez for coming on. Uh, Shout out to Top Rank for help making it happen. Uh, We hope to get some more Top Rank fighters on. So just be clear, we're we trying to hook that up to where we can have a, a running cycle of these young guys and these young females, because they have female fighters as well, uh, that we want to showcase here on Punch the Face Radio. But, but Adam, you know, that's not all tonight. You know, we, we, right. with the thanks to you, oh, i got to give all credit oh, to wait. you. There's more. There's more. <laughs> you know, shout out to you for help making this happen, man. You hit me and said, hey, yo, we can get Tom Leffler on. I was like, well, let's do it. So, you know, shout out to you for help getting this set up, man. We got an opportunity last night to talk with Tom Leffler uh, before uh, he got busy tonight uh, dealing with the uh, – he had the Superfly 3 uh, press conference this uh, this afternoon there in L.A. And as well, uh, tonight they have the uh, Hollywood Fight Night since I think is actually starting here uh, in a little bit. Uh, I think about another 20 minutes or so it will start live uh, there on their website. So uh, big ups to you. So I'll have you do the introduction here to our, to our, uh, our next guest. Yeah, um, so Tom is the um, uh, promoter uh, of record for uh, Golovkin, and he's going to be talking about both uh, Canelo Golovkin 2. He's going to be talking about Superfly 3. We talk about um, Alexander Usyk, his performance in the World Boxing Super Series, the return of Roman Gonzalez, like lots of good stuff. And Tom, you know, one of the good things about interviewing him is, you know, he – it's almost like he anticipates your next two questions. You know, you ask him a question and then he takes it. I think he gives great answers and uh, with a lot of, um, uh, I think he's a straight shooter, you know, as straight as a promoter can be, you know, there's always some spin here or some angle, but I think he, he loves boxing and I think he's, uh, he's very excited about a lot of the events that are coming his way. And uh, there's a lot of good things for Loeffler and, uh, and his fighters, uh, throughout the rest of the year, so we'll have a, a great chance to listen to that. So, yeah, so here we go. Here's our interview with Tom Leffler here on Punch the Face Radio. Here. Tom, how are you? It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm Adam Abramowitz with uh, Brandon. Happy to have you again. Good to be on the show, guys. I'm, uh, you might hear some noise. I'm in downtown L.A. Uh, on the way to Golden Boy offices, so... Uh, but it's good to good to talk to you. We had the weigh in today for the for the Hollywood Fight Night show, and uh, it should be a great show tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean we're hyped about that. You know, again, fans can watch that on 360promotions.us here Wednesday night. Uh, the fights will stream live and free there on the website. Now, Tom, this is your third installment here of the Hollywood Fight Nights. Are you surprised on how? fast and how how much for grabs the fans have had with this promotion and uh with the series of fights and only his third installment it's always one of the hottest tickets there in la and and something that's great gained a lot of buzz here on boxing twitter uh it's, it's really uh a show like no other um you know we get celebrities it's a small venue it only holds about 600 people uh we put on great fights um and, uh, you know, the people that come live or the people that watch it for free, there's no subscriptions, there's no, you know, monthly fees. It's a, it's a free 
a free stream, and uh, we just try to get a lot of exposure for the guys that are coming up. You know, our first fight had Ryan Martin on it as the main event. Now he's fighting in the World Boxing Super Series uh, tournament. And uh, this one here is headlined by Ali Akhmedov, trained by Abel Sanchez. And, uh, you know, he trains up there with Triple G. So, uh, you know, we have high hopes for Ali. He's only 25, 24 years old. The 175-pound division is really hot. So a lot of people are looking forward to see Ali and his uh, his debut out here in, in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent on these shows. Brian Ceballo from uh, Brooklyn, New York. This will be his uh, fourth time fighting in the ring as a professional. So, you know, it, it's got a great mix of celebrities, of young talent, and, uh, and it's just a fun atmosphere there in the Hollywood nightclub. Adam? Um... Well, yeah, um, Tom, I wanted to ask you a, a couple of questions also about the uh, the series. Um have you been having any success attracting sponsors, moving uh, the needle in terms of bringing in additional parties to boxing? Um, what is your, um, what's your take on how the, the corporate reception has been? Well, it's been very strong. Uh, you know, we've had three solid sponsors. Uh, Takati uh, is the main sponsor, along with Chivas and, uh, and MGM Resorts. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's uh, it's been well received. Uh, operations like it because uh, it's it's shown really all over the world. We get uh, uh, because it's uh, there's no subscription to it. It gets a super high. Uh, it gets very high ratings uh, as far as viewership is concerned. And uh, and again, it's a it's a fun party for the for the local people here in L.A. or in Hollywood that just want to invite some of their people, you know, to the VIP section. You see celebrities up there. Yasuel Puig, he came to the first show. Um, you know, if Mario Lopez was at the, the, the last show, Michael Buffer um, and Bruce Buffer, they're coming uh, tomorrow night. You know, Michael Buffer is the voice of boxing and Bruce Buffer is the legendary voice of the, uh, the UFC. So, you know, you never know which celebrity is going to be there. And, and it's going to be a treat for the fans tomorrow night because uh, the fighters from the Superfly, we're having a Superfly media lunch at the Avalon in Hollywood. And uh, all the fighters, you know, Estrada, uh, Arroyo, um, Donnie Nietes, Aston Palicte, uh, all the guys on the uh, Superfly show, they're going to be in attendance uh, tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, you get a lot of world champions uh, that, that stop by. Uh, Freddie Roach is training two fighters. Here's the here's a all-star lineup of uh, trainers. You have uh, Freddie Roach has uh, two fighters fighting tomorrow night. Uh, Abel Sanchez uh, has the main event. And Buddy McGirt has Elvina White that's fighting. And, uh, and Ben Lira. Who's the uh, who's the assistant trainer for Triple G? He has um, Adrian Corona, who's turning pro. So it's a uh, it's a it's a just a fun lineup of uh, fights and uh, an atmosphere over there in uh, in in Hollywood. That sounds great. And obviously, one of the things we wanted to do is bring you on to talk about the third installment of Superfly. Um, we noticed there were some names not on uh, this edition, such as uh, Sriskatet. Uh, Sorung Vizai, which I know is, uh, this series has helped propel him into a star, but you still have pound-for-pound yep. pound talent such as Juan Estrada on it, uh, Donnie Nietes, a fight that I really like between Kazuto Ayoka and McWilliams Arroyo. Um, let's start there. Um, Kazuto Ayoka is this Japanese guy. He's uh, won titles in three divisions, was retired. What was the process of him coming back 
and then not only just coming back, but fighting in America on one of your cards against a tough guy like Arroyo. Can you talk a little bit about how that fight got made? Sure. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that's the fight of the night. It's, uh, you yeah, know, I Ioka is a legend. Uh, Ioka is a legend in Japan. Like you say, he's a three-time, uh, three-division world champion. He's moving up now to uh, super flyweight division. This will be his first fight at Superfly. Uh, and fighting a tough guy like uh, McWilliams Arroyo, who had a tremendous win over Quadra. Yeah, that's a great thing about the, these Superfly shows is uh, you can mix and match these guys. They're all world-class fighters. They're not afraid to fight each other. And, uh, you know, whether it's Chocolatito who opened the doors uh, for that division or, like you said, Cisraket, you know, really uh, put on some tremendous fights. And, uh, you know, Cisraket and Estrada had uh, really one of the leading uh, candidates for fight of the year uh, this year. In, in February. So, um, you know, for Estrada to fight uh, Orokuda, that's actually uh, El Gallo versus uh, Gallito. Uh, uh, Orokudo's uh, nickname is uh, Gallito, and uh, it's uh, you got uh, two Mexican rivals uh, getting in there against each other. It's going to just be on, on a whole different level. You know, the motivation for these guys, knowing they're going to be on HBO, knowing they're on the biggest platform, uh, in boxing, and uh, you never saw since uh, you know Chiquita Gonzalez and Michael Carbajal, you never saw uh, you know since uh, Chocolatito came on uh, HBO, uh, uh, you didn't see those uh, lighter weight divisions being featured on a premium cable, and uh, it's really opened the doors. and And these guys know it's uh, you know it could be their only shot, and that's why they uh, they really leave everything in the ring. And uh, you know these are by far um, the most exciting fights, you know. Uh, pound for pound as far as, uh, you know, a triple header, uh, all three of these fights are going to be tremendous matchups. And uh, and that's really what the fans have come, gotten used to, uh, gotten accustomed to. And uh, that's why we've gotten such a great reaction from both uh, the fans and uh, and the media. I want to uh, I want to turn over to Brandon for some Triple G talk, but I just have one more question on this card. Um, what can you tell us about Aston Palikte? Um Not a very high-profile guy in America uh, has some okay names on his resume. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Well, that fight is uh, actually for the vacant WBO title, the the, the title that uh, Inouye vacated when Inouye moved up to Bantamweight. So you have the number one and uh, number two rated guy in the, uh, uh, in the WBO ratings. Uh, they happen to both be from the Philippines. But, uh, again, that's going to be a Philippine uh, rivalry. Um uh, you know, Donnie Nietzsche had a, had a nice win on our last show, uh, Super Fight yep. 2. Um, and, and so now he's moving up uh, to, to to the Super Flyweight division fighting for, for the vacant title. So, uh, you know, again, these these guys, uh, just like with uh, Estrada, uh, these guys know what's at, what's at stake. Uh, if uh, Nietzsche has uh, two nice wins back-to-back on HBO, all of a sudden he starts becoming you know, a household name. Uh, he had fought here in the States a couple times before, but, you know, not at the same uh, profile uh, television platform. And uh, this is what really creates stars. And then, uh, you know, for example, you know, the winner of the Nietas fight uh, could fight the winner of Ioka and Arroyo or, you know, Estrada. I know he, he's looking for uh, the rematch with uh, Cisretan, Chapatito. Uh, we're looking to put him on the Triple G Canelo. Uh, show a week later. So if, uh, if he has a comeback uh, victory, uh, you know he's still the uh, the, the leader of that uh, division, definitely the highest profile guy. And and Sifriket's uh, going to fight in uh, Thailand in October. And then if he comes back uh, beginning next year, uh, you know all those guys are at world class level and, and exciting guys. So uh, 
uh, you know, fans are, are really in for a treat with this uh, division now getting uh, getting the spotlight uh, uh, shown on, on their fights. Now, Tom, man, you're an extreme. As you said, you know, at the beginning here that you're on your way to the homeboy's office uh, because we have this rematch that I don't know a lot of boxing fans are familiar with that's <laughs> going to happen here September 15th. Um, you know, you, you did say uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Periscope show that you do with uh, with Doug Fisher here every Sunday that uh, you're going to have a media workout here uh, where Canelo and Triple G will actually be in the same spot for the first time in, in a long time. Um, you know, what's what's still left to kind of get ironed out or, or get knocked out in regards uh, to the September 15th mega showdown, or is everything else pretty much smooth sailing after you guys do the media workout here later this month? You know, you can never say it's smooth sailing with a boxing promotion. I mean, we thought it would be smooth sailing uh, for Cinco de Mayo until, uh, you know, Canelo happened to test positive twice for uh, for a banned substance. So you can never, until the guys are actually in the ring, you never know what's going to happen, even at the, the weigh-ins or the rules meetings, or there's always some type of drama in, uh, in boxing and uh Triple G always brings his big drama show, <laughs> so it always seems to be always seems to be a higher, uh, just a higher profile. But uh, you know, it's clear these guys uh, don't like each other anymore. Uh, you know, Triple G was really frustrated, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna go up again. Uh, you know, because the uh, cancellation with uh, with Cinco de Mayo and Canelo was, uh, uh, you could see he was uh, irritated with uh, some of the things that. Uh, Gennady had said and some of the things that Abel had expressed about the positive test. So both these guys, I think, are going to be much more aggressive uh, next time. And, you know, Canelo's predicting a knockout for the for the rematch. So, uh, you know, the only way you can really get a knockout is, uh, you know, actually standing there and, and, and fighting or at least uh, boxing more aggressively than he did the, the first time. So I think the fans are in for uh, an exciting fight. Uh uh, the first fight was was a, was a great fight, a really high level boxing IQ, where you got not only two of the best pound for pound fighters in the ring, but two of the most marketable fighters, which is really uh, a rare combination. You never really get the uh, that, especially uh, you know where they're in their prime. Triple G just turned 36, and I think uh, Canelo maybe has uh, more confidence now. He just went 12 rounds with Triple G. He knows that Triple G is a year older. Uh, but uh, Triple G doesn't want to leave it in the, ju- the judges' hands. He was really frustrated with the decision uh, last time around. He thought uh, we all thought he clearly won the fight. Uh, he's the champion. You know, if Canelo's going to take the titles, he's actually going to come out there and and uh, fight for the titles. And we saw it. Uh, uh, I mean, it was a draw, but we saw it, uh, Triple G winning. And I think he just wants to make a a, a more emphatic statement uh, for the rematch that uh, you know nobody can say. Uh, there's uh, any controversy with uh, with the scoring, and uh, you know that's what uh, I think the fans are in for a treat. Not only uh, in the main event, but uh, uh, you know that's one of the things I'm going to talk to Eric Gomez of Golden Boy today is uh, you know when we're going to announce the undercard, and, and we got some great fights uh, slated on the undercard, so it should be a fantastic night of of uh, entertainment for uh, for all the boxing fans worldwide. Now, Tom. Uh, I know that boxing promoters have to put a rosy face on everything, but I'm sure you're much happier that there isn't a huge pay-per-view this year in late August going up against (laughs) your September pay-per-view. Honestly, now, almost a year later, do you think that impacted uh, the uh, scope of the event last year? And and are you feeling better that there isn't that same style of competition or same type of competition this year? 
Look, whenever you get two massive pay-per-views uh, that close to each other, three weeks uh, apart, uh, you know, I think there's always going to be an effect. Uh, you know, there's there's no denying, uh, you know, the Mayweather-McGregor fight was uh, was uh, a huge uh, event, uh, especially on the pay-per-view side. You know, they, they had, uh, there was reports of it doing over $4 million, uh pay-per-view buys. So that definitely takes, you know, sucks a lot of oxygen uh, out of the uh, sports world, That's you know, especially out of the boxing world. Uh, which uh, you don't have to, you know, we don't have to contend with uh, this this year. And uh, you know, then if you remember, there were two uh, major hurricanes in, in two big markets uh, last year: one in Houston and in, in Texas, and one in uh, in the Florida area. So um, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, weather the weather cooperates with us, and, and uh, you know, we're just going to focus on on doing the best, doing the best uh, show and the best promotion that we can. And, and really, the the fans are, are uh, you know, with these guys agreeing to fight each other. You know, there's a lot of guys out there, a lot of champions out there. They're going, you know, dancing in circles, talking about they're going to fight, but uh, uh, and you know, never seem to be able to reach an agreement. So, you know, whatever criticism someone might have of Triple G or Canelo, you know, they've they've agreed to fight one time, and now they've agreed to fight in a rematch. And so, you got to give both guys credit uh, for that. Uh, both guys have a lot to lose. Triple G has his titles to lose. Uh, you know he's undefeated. Uh, you know Canelo has his, uh, you know, the Mexican pride and and uh, fan following that he has. Uh, that's at stake. Um, and uh, you know it, it's a high risk, high reward uh, fight for uh, for both guys. Um, both guys made their highest payday of their career in the first fight. We expect uh, the rematch uh, to exceed uh, uh, those financial. Uh, the, the financial levels that we achieved in the in the first fight. So, uh, you know, September fifteenth, it's the Mexican Independence Day. It's a big uh, boxing holiday up in Las Vegas, and uh, T-Mobile Arena will be rocking uh, on on that day. And uh, you know, everyone tuning in on HBO pay per view, and you know, it's going to be in over one hundred fifty countries worldwide. This is one of those fights that really transcends. Uh, you know, it's not it's not just a world championship boxing match. It's uh it's an international sporting event. You know, the two huge fan bases that both these guys bring uh, with them. Uh, when you put them in the ring against each other, it just like seems like it multiplies by ten uh, as far as the interest and the focus on on the fight. And this rematch, uh, you know, will definitely live up to uh, to the expectations. And and I think we're going to see a, a tremendous weekend, a tremendous boxing weekend uh, uh, in Las Vegas on September 15th. Well, Tom, we had one more topic we want to talk to you. First of all, thank you uh, for coming on tonight. And we want to congratulate you and your fighter, Alexander Usyk, for an amazing performance in the finals of the World Boxing Super Series. Um, Did you have a sense? uh, A lot of people looked at that fight as close to 50-50, maybe Usyk with a slight edge. Um, Did you have any sense that that fight was going to play out in such a dominant fashion? You know, I'm close. Uh, that, that's uh, <laughs> that was a tough fight uh, to to go through because I'm close to both guys. You know, yeah. we work with uh, with Usyk uh, together. You know, he's promoted by uh, K2 Ukraine, who's uh, who's run by uh, Alexander Kraziuk. I have a very close relationship with uh, Alexander, and when Usyk fought on HBO twice over here, I uh, helped him put those fights together. But um, and then naturally, uh, Murat Gassiev trains with uh, Abel Sanchez and Triple G. He's very close to the Triple G team up there in, uh, in Big uh, California. So have a tremendous amount of respect for both guys. Um, you know, that's one of those fights. You just got to take your hat off to Usyk. And, uh, you know, Abel said there's there's nobody that would have beaten uh, Usyk that night. 
Uh, yeah. He just put on such a masterful performance. You know, if you if uh, you know if you stock, uh, you know, some of the top pound for pound fighters. If you look at Usyk's competition, uh, I mean, it's just a who's who of the uh, cruiserweight division. I mean, the, such a dominant one-sided win over Garcia, uh, you know, who had two great wins in that tournament. Um, then he he beat uh, Vodarczyk in. Uh, uh, in uh, in Poland, and then he beat uh, Bridis in uh, in Latvia, and then beating uh, Garcia in Moscow. I mean, and Marco Hook in Germany. Uh, you know, uh, Alexander Usyk's resume just uh, is. Uh, I think it stands by itself. Not only did he win the Olympic uh, gold medal, 2012, but uh, you know, with only 15 fights, he's uh, had such dominant uh, victories over, you know, really uh, hometown fighters. And uh, you got to take your hat off to him. I think he is a guy with a, a tremendous uh, future ahead of him. Uh, I think uh, Murat Gassiev, at all, being only 24 years old, uh, he has a tremendous uh, future at all, as well. Um, there's no shame at all losing to a guy like uh, Usyk, uh, especially at that age. Uh, and I think uh, you know he's got uh, he's got a big future. And uh, you know, talking to Abel, it's like every time I see. Every time I see Marat, he gets he looks bigger and gets stronger. Uh, every time I see him, so I think he's got a great future. Whether he decides to stay at cruiserweight or if he wants to move a heavyweight, uh, I think he he still can do a lot of damage uh, in the, in the game of boxing. And, and because he's so young uh, and getting stronger, I just uh, I really think he's got a, a tremendous future. So it's exciting for uh, some of these young guys. Uh, you saw Kovalev uh, just got. Uh, upset uh, last weekend. Uh, that division seems like it's really uh, kind of shaken up now at a uh, light heavyweight. Uh, Bivol is a solid guy there. Uh, Ali Akhmedov, like I said, he's fighting tomorrow night. Uh, so it's it's nice to see this uh, young talent, uh, you know, in, in the sport of boxing. And, uh, uh, you know, these guys are all class acts. And it's nice to see that uh, in terms of uh, just building and growing the, the sport, the fan base, and the respect for uh, a lot of these champions uh, that they have for their fans. Well, Tom, man, we appreciate you taking out this time, man. We we know you're extremely busy. You touched on a lot of topics here for us, but again, we want to make sure the fans go Wednesday night, uh, 360promotions.us, watch uh, Hollywood Fight Night, uh, tremendous card, young talent they can get their eyes on. And more importantly, we wish we could be a fly on the wall here for this meeting you're about to have with Golden Boy, but we know we can't. <laughs> but we, we hope nothing but good things come about this. We know there's good people there, Golden Boy. They're friends of the show as well, so... Uh, we we hope everything goes smoothly here in this meeting, but more important, we're looking forward to Superfly here September 8th, and obviously the mega rematch, the grudge match, uh, Canelo Triple G Part 2 here September 15th, live on HBO Pay-Per-View. So, no, I Thank appreciate very- that, guys. It's, it's always good to be on the show, always good to talk boxing with uh, knowledgeable uh, people, and, and uh, you know, we just uh, wish you guys uh, continued success. Thanks, Tom. Right. Thank you, Tom. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. All right, again, that was our guest, Tom Leffler, a.k.a. Triple C, Cool Comic Collected, uh, maybe the calmest man in boxing today by by leaps and bounds. I don't know if, if anybody is more level-headed than, than Tom as far as a promoter goes in boxing. Can you think of anyone as that calm all the time? Well, I definitely know a few people that it's not. Uh, <laughs> um, no, um, 
Well, I mean, there are a few promoters that are complete dead fishes where you wonder how they ever got in front of people. But, no, I, I think, Tom, in, in terms of, like, you know, fairly high-profile American uh, promoters, I, I think, yeah, he is very calm, very smart, and uh, done a very good job. You know, he's gotten uh, – he doesn't have a huge stable, but he's done very well with the fighters that he's had in terms of getting them exposure, uh, HBO time, building uh, – fan bases uh he's done he's done good by his fighters in my opinion now sometimes it's about the quality not the quantity so i mean that that may be what he's shooting for right now and obviously with this hollywood fight night uh you know promotion that he's doing and these cards these club shows he's putting on he's trying to find that young talent he's trying to cultivate the guys he has and then find other ones to sign on and and bring on to his growing stable so i mean it it makes sense and again man i'll plug it again because he came on and did the show 360promotions.us. Uh, you can go watch the fights live there. It's also live on their Facebook page as well. Uh, the card literally just started here a few moments ago. So as we wrap the show, obviously, I'm going to be tuning into it uh, because I'm ready to start drinking, man. It's my birthday tomorrow, so I'm ready to start getting wasted <laughs> and enjoying boxing. Uh, it's a perfect way to kind of to ease into the birthday. But uh, one more topic that I definitely want to touch on, Adam, that we definitely need to give this guy some credit. Shout out to Tevin Farmer. Farmer yeah. went down to Australia. And I just and I am watching this fight Friday morning and I should have been working. I wasn't. Whatever. Um I was watching it there at work, drinking my coffee, and I was like, yo, man, they about to hose him on the cards. I, I just knew Australia judges were going to play uh the hometown favorite for Billy Dip because we'd seen it so many times. Not so many times, but Dip has always gotten wins down there in Australia and he got exposed when he came here to the States. So I just had that feeling that would happen here, and to their credit, they got it right, and it was by a wide margin that was the correct margin. You, you know, know, he picks up a vacated now, championship, and he, he's the champ now. You know, every now and then we watch these fights, and you know, when they score fights the right way, you're like, you know, this fight, this sport isn't so hard. Sometimes, you know, we make it seem like, well, if judges see this and that, see this and that, see this and that. Sometimes it's just a eleven to one fight, and it's really easy. You know, and it should be that easy all the time. And, you know, with judges, you know, I understand there are certain fights that are really tough to score, but there are certain fights that are pretty damn easy, too. And some of those pretty damn easy fights, you see really weird scores as well. So it is nice when you could just take a step back after you see the scores like, okay, fine, not everybody is crazy. You know, this was a a 10 to 2 fight or 11 to 1 fight. And, that's what it was. So I got to tell you something. I've interviewed Tevin Farmer before. He's from Philadelphia. If you want to talk about one of the more unlikely champions in boxing, this is a guy who started out 7-4-1. Uh, he was shot. Uh, he, was almost, he almost drowned. Uh, he's been through various promoters and trainers. And, you know, Lou DiBello's really believed in him. And I, I think he was, he's been very supportive uh, of Tevin. Uh, he's also with uh, Chino Rivas training in, in South Jersey. I think uh, that's been very good for him. But I got to tell you something: nobody believed in Tevin Farmer at a certain point. So you got to um, you got to give him credit for turning it around. I think uh, when I interviewed him a few years ago, he had told me that when he was seven four and one, he just said, "You know what? I got to take the sport more seriously, or I'm going to get out." And so he, he he flipped the switch. You know, he he started taking his life more seriously, his career more seriously, and. Uh, you know, also remember, like, he had that pretty poor decision go against him last time uh, mm-hmm. in a fight where I thought he should have won. So he's had a lot of adversities, had to overcome, 
Uh, he, he was nobody's favorite. The networks weren't begging to get him. Big promoters weren't circling over him. He had to earn it all. So I don't know how long he's going to keep his title. He's a good fighter. He's a very good fighter. But, you know, even if it's just one fight or two fights or whatever, you see guys like him or like a, like a Caleb Truax, and you're like, you know what? Nobody necessarily believed in these people, and they made it. Uh, they seized their, their opportunities. They took advantage of the moment. And uh, it, it's a really good lesson, not just for boxing, but, you know, th- these people who don't give up on themselves and give themselves the best opportunity to win. And it's a great story. It really is. Now, do you jump right into the fight with Javante Davis? Because, you know, Davis has already said it. He's like, yo, Farmer wins. I want that fight next. Is that something that if you're either side, you want that fight next, or do you maybe build that a little bit more? Because we know these guys have had their back and forth, and um, they've had conversation in regards to fighting each other before, but now they're both champions. That makes sense to do it now? Or do you let it marinate and just possibly lose a, a, a unification bout between those two guys? I did talk to Lou DeBella this weekend, and I and Tevin Farmer was one of the subjects that was brought up, and, and Lou said this on the record in another place, and that they're considering their options, and, um, you know, Tevin's really never made real money, and it's not that they're avoiding Davis, but it might be the situation where, you know, they could be have a home fight in Philadelphia, or, you know, Lou's starting to work a little bit more with top rank. Maybe there's a headlining scenario on top rank. Uh, maybe there's a scenario with Machado on HBO. So there's a number of different pathways that they could go, and, and Davis is one of them. I don't think they are running to fight that necessarily, but I think, you know, Tevin Farmer wants to make some money, and I think uh, they're going to explore what those opportunities can be. So um, I, I'm not saying that he's he would be – it wouldn't be a duck anyway. He literally just got his title. Uh, but I think they're going to look at all their opportunities and evaluate them and see how they could build, you know, his next two and three fights moving forward. Uh, he has a chance to uh, to have some good fights at 130. There there's some interesting matchups there for him. And um, he now has options where very years ago he had very few. Very true. So, I mean, I, I wish nothing but the best for him. Hope to have him here on the show uh, as well to, to talk to him because, you know, it's a really incredible story. Like you said, you know, the guy's been through so much. He persevered, believed in himself, and now he's gotten himself a championship belt uh, from going down to Australia and getting that. And shout out to Billy Dib as well. You know, don't want to uh, completely discount him. He retired here after the fight. Had a really great run down in Australia. And then shit just really got real when he signed to SMS Promotions and started fighting here in America uh, underneath the uh, 50 Cent's former promotional banner. Um, I don't know if you could say he got exposed, but yeah, he might have got exposed. And you know what it is? What yeah. it is. Uh, he he had a good run while it lasted. Even before that, I think when he was fighting Gradovich on a, on a top-ranked card, uh, or it may have been on ESPN, but uh, he was with Golden Boy for a little while. He's been with a few people in America, but you're right. You know, he, he had success in, in Australia. Uh, and as we've seen, uh, sometimes that, tra- that success doesn't really translate on the, on the world level. But, but he had, you know what, he, he had some personal misfortunes happen to him and his family. Uh, he's had to persevere through a lot as well. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he was a very honest fighter, and uh, he, gave it, he gave it his best. You know, whatever that might have been, you know, he, 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 he did try hard. He really did. 
Absolutely. Now, one more quick thing that I want to get your opinion on before we get out of here. Um, what is your take on this bizarre talk? And I've seen a video of him going back to training. Sergio Martinez versus Julio Cesar Chavez Part 2. Do you think there's any sort of validity in this? A lot of the stuff is in Spanish, so I'm having to translate via Twitter. Um, I've seen Sergio Martinez working out and getting back in shape and something about him even applying for boxing license. Uh, is this something that is you think we could really see? And more importantly, why? Why do we need this? Why, why would anyone want this? I guess um, Chavez found the thought of facing Sergio Mora at 171 too threatening. So, no, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what, though. If there's a fight between Chavez Jr. and Martinez again, I'll go with the fighter with two knees. That's always a rule <laughs> of mine. Always, always pick against the fighter with the knee brace. And, uh, no, matter, no matter how chubby the other one is? I got to tell you, yes, you know... I knew it was over for Sergio that last fight against Cotto when he's freaking wearing the knee brace, you know, and, and I'm like, God, if he, if he's healthy, he can win that fight. If he's not healthy, Cotto's going to just destroy him. He comes out with the knee brace and I, and I had picked Martinez. Of course I said, assuming he's healthy. And I'm just like, this fight's over. No, you, you don't, you're not, if you need a knee brace, you're done. You're basically telling your opponent that, um, you know, you got one good leg. You can't pivot off it. You can't move laterally. And you have to understand Martinez's game was so much using his legs. And uh, he did have good hand speed. But the way he would move in and out of the pocket and create weird angles, um, you know, you know, listen, if Chavez could get a million dollars for fighting a 40-something-year-old Sergio Martinez, like, God bless him. You know, I'm not <laughs> hating. Uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not hating – I, I need he, to work with whoever's getting him that kind of money because if he can pull that off, shit. You know they put it. They put it in a Plaza del Toro in, uh, you know, somewhere in Mexico. Uh, he's gonna get. He's gonna get his money. You know, you got Mexican TV. You got fight fans there. Like that fight. You know, the, there's enough to sell in that 12th round. I mean, let's forget. Like that was an amazing 12th round of that fight. Listen, I know that'd be a wash fight, a garbage fight, whatever. But like. Garbage fights kind of help make the sport go round too. So I got I got to say like I would probably uh, have my hands in front of my face, but kind of like slowly move my fingers away from each other so I can kind of just peek at the screen as that's on. You know, it's like I'd pretend that I can't watch it, but then slowly I'd start watching it, and I'd probably get sucked into that if I'm being honest. I, I will never forget that was the same night of Cotto, not Cotto, but Canelo on Showtime. And I think he right. was fighting Josecito Lopez, if memory serves me correct. So never forget that being the dueling uh, Mexican cards in Las Vegas. One was the Thomas and Mac, one was at MGM Grand, and one was on pay-per-view, one was on regular cable. Just, just bugged me out, but uh, that, that's what I distinctly remember about that, and obviously that 12th round, which was fascinating. The Chavez yeah. Jr. almost pulled that off, but I got yeah, a just, um, just very bizarre. I got a question, I got a question mm-hmm. for you, a topic for you. So they announced their first the zone card on American soil today. Uh, you have Jesse Vargas against Tom, Thomas Delorme as the headliner. You have three other fights of note, Jarrell, big baby Miller against Thomas Adamek. Uh, you have uh, Arthur Peter Bayev against Callum Johnson. You have Daniel Roman against Gavin McDonald. So with all of the big bells and whistles, the huge announcement, we have $1 billion. Um, is this underwhelming? Is this a good first card? What is it? What is your take on 
this and with all of the hoopla surrounding Eddie Hearn and zone, uh, this is what we have. What are your, what's your initial take? Well, Eddie's kind of in a he's in a shitty spot now. I'll, I'll explain it from a from one aspect that a lot of people may not completely get, but I'll explain that. But it, the card itself isn't a bad card, but it's not your a big splash into American market with this app that doesn't have sizzle to it. Um, the fights may be good, which could be its saving grace, but it doesn't have that sizzle that you're going to need to get eyeballs on it. The reason why I say that, and I want to make that point clear about having eyeballs on it. The same night that they have their first card here in America, that first to zone uh, exclusive here in the States, is the same night the UFC is going to have a mega huge championship fight with Conor McGregor being a part of it against Nabib Nagata Madoff, or how do you enunciate it? But it's for a championship belt. It's Conor McGregor's return. I will say this. For the people who do combat sports media, and a lot of websites may have just one person dedicated to it, just for instance, let's use Kevin Aoli for from Yahoo. Is he going to be talking to Zone or is he going to be talking UFC and Conor McGregor? He's going to be right. talking Conor McGregor. So unfortunately right. for Eddie Hearn that night, literally that night, he's going to get sucked in a vacuum to where nobody in combat sports is going to be paying attention to that card. Now, hardcore boxing fans, they'll pay attention to it. They'll know it's on their radar. But will they be overly watching and really being too concerned with it? Not really. Because even your casual, even some of your boxing media people, when there's UFC on and there's maybe a medium to okay boxing card, they're going to be watching the UFC. So it's a very shitty spot for Eddie Hearn to be in, but it's nothing of his doing because he had this date, he had this card situated long before McGregor's return was announced. So, you know, for his aspect, I wish him well, but this is going to be a giant thud and a dud and a brick, whatever paraphrase you want to use for this car come October 6th. I wish him the best, but it's going to flame and it's going to flame bad. You know what? I think there might be two things that could help. I'm not going to say save the card. I like two fights on this card. I like uh, the Daniel Roman, Gavin McDonald, uh, 122 um, title fight. And then I, I think Vargas Delorme could be okay too. But I like that's in Chicago. I like that's finally a big fight in Chicago. Um, uh, I think if he has the opportunity to plant a flag in a city that's dying for boxing, you know, there are so many great fans out there. Uh, he's trying to get Granados on this card. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think if he is committed to, for instance, putting boxing in Chicago, if he's playing kind of a, at least a medium game, if he comes back to Chicago like twice a year, then I think he could really build in that city. I got to tell you, that is a city with a huge number of boxing fans. They've been underserved by bigger cards. So I like where the, the card is situated. Um, I, I want him to go to like different media markets. Yes, he'll be in New York and Vegas, you know, when needs to be. But there are so many communities and cities that are dying for boxing that could create um, buzz and help bring a lifeblood. So if you don't have amazing viewership or TV, you know, you, you're doing a live gate, you're building these local fighters. So uh, I know that's not the primary uh, aspect of the zone, but you do need to build momentum for your series. And if you can have kind of a, a semi home base or a comfortable home base, I think Chicago is a great place to start. So I'm interested to see how this fight will do at the gate. Um, uh, and, and I, and I'm very, um, 
uh, intrigued that that was the first city that they selected for this uh, this new enterprise. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I do like the, about that that they're not going, you know, to your typical New, your New York, your Las Vegas, or even down, you know, in Texas or something like that. You know, they're going to a to an area that will go out and they will show support whether they have people who are local or not fighting on that card because they don't get those events. I think that's actually a really big thing, and I think that's a, a good point you brought up. And as well, I know they're already working on a second card that, from what I'm understanding, is going to be in Boston um, uh, for the um, – I forgot who's going to be fighting it, but they got a fight card they're planning in Boston. Uh, they're at the, um, T, is it the TD Waterhouse Arena, wherever the Celtics play in Boston. They're actually going to have a card there as well. So he's going to markets that you know will support the sport. So, I mean, I hope it works. I really do. But I honestly think with this first fight card, it's going to get swallowed up in this vacuum to where yeah. it, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough trading to get enough media to be watching and paying attention to care. And with you not having that big star or part of this card, that's just going to make it really tough uh, to get that, that major uh, push in, in crossover media to pay attention and care, but you know, I, I hope it works because again, at the end of the day, more boxing is, is always good. But I don't know, man. The, the, this one, this first card, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have any rant this week. That typically is the week, the point, you know, part of the show I do a, a closing rant. I really don't. Um, I'm actually in really good spirits. Just kind of bummed out earlier this week, but I'm in much better spirits now. Big thank you Very to you good. for coming on and doing the show because you helped with that. The Tom Leffley interview was outstanding, but let me let me just make it clear. The highlight of the week is Timofo Lopez. Let, let's just yeah. let's keep it real. That that kid, his energy, it's it's outstanding. I love it. I, I love to see young people who are hungry, focused. He's both of those. He's got as long as he keeps his head on the you know the swivel, the the, the correct straight and narrow, he's going to be fine. But I definitely appreciate him coming on and doing the show. Um, you know, no big boxing this weekend besides Joseph Diaz's fight, which I think is going to be a tough go. I don't think it's going to be a, a light uh, walkover for him against Rojas. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. I'm also looking forward to seeing how this works with uh, the um, Facebook Watch. I want to see how how quality this stream is, how um, how the audio will be, and how everything will work production-wise. I'm interested in that. Uh, beyond that, man, I am I'm at peace, man. Tomorrow's my birthday, so shout out to the people who've already sent me birthday wishes. I appreciate y'all, international people. I guess it's already August 9th over there, over in the UK. So shout out to them. But you know, man, I, I'm in a good spot. I'm happy. I'm at peace, and um, just just wait, waiting uh, for the next big thing to happen here in boxing. Waiting for some more bigger fight cards here later this month and next month. So I, I'm I'm good right now. No nothing to be angry about. And, you know, and that's okay. Uh, you know, we're allowed to have days that we're happy. You know, that, that's, there's no crime in that. I, I tell my fiance that all the time. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, you know. Um, I'm actually uh, getting married uh, next Sunday, so it's very exciting. A week from Sunday, so this will be my last uh, show on here as a uh, single guy. Uh, so, doing that, and we're uh, we're taking a honeymoon for a few weeks afterwards. So that's going to be a lot of fun and. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff, uh, obviously, in my life going on, and we're going to see some fantastic – September is just loaded. I mean, my, my fiancé, can you believe this? She accused me of taking a honeymoon in late August because she knows that's historically a slow time for boxing. Can you believe that she had the audacity <laughs> to suggest that? 
And then I told her she's not a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I said, you're not, you're not a hundred. Like that's not the number one reason why we're doing our honeymoon there, but it might be fourth. you know, like yeah. you're right. You're like, like I wasn't going to go, I wasn't going to go on uh Mexican independence day weekend, for instance, on my honeymoon, I'm not that stupid, you know? So I wanted to make sure that I'm home, you know, for September, which is, there's a big fight every single weekend in September. And, and, uh, I know I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to be going to the Garcia Porter fight, which I am really excited about. Uh, but you have that, you have Superfly three, you have, uh, Canelo Golovkin two, you have the end of the world boxing super series, uh, between uh, Groves and yeah, between Groves and Callum Smith at 168. So you have, you have something good every single week, uh, and, and uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's hopefully there'll be some more shows announced in the fall. I know a few things that may be coming down the pike, but September is a really strong month. So I'm going to go get my get married, have some sun, go do some little exploring, and come back. And there's going to be a ton of boxing, so it's going to be good stuff. Now the, the question that we'll have to you know pose to the fight fans you know the week of of your next show the next return uh, appearance by you is will Adams takes be washed now that he's that he's now married now I, as I said I will be open I said at the beginning of the show uh, before we came on air to Adam that I, my fear is Adam is going to become the Keith Thurman of podcasting now now that he got <laughs> now that he's getting married so that is my biggest fear that he's going to become the Keith Thurman you know, uh, of this now I don't want to you know start saying you know Keith Adam's going to come on the show, blank date, and then, you know, the week of. Well, Adam, he had to pull out. You know, he had some things that came up. We don't want that to happen, Adam. We don't want so, to strip you of your title of I got, co-host, I got so please. If that, if that was on Twitter, I would give you a quality hate next to that because that was quality hate. Uh, I'm going to come back. and want to play some flute for you. I'm going to be really into it. Uh <laughs> You know, it's funny. Like I'm gonna have all these pictures of me with my headphones on, but when it comes push comes to shove, I'm gonna pull out. You know, it's like, hey man, I'm getting ready for the podcast, and then like last minute, like, hey Adam, could you? But it's like I saw the podcast pictures. Like, nope, nope. So no, no. Anyway, you know, it's funny. Like, it's like the Thurman thing is kind of like a comedy now, and, and like we all kind of get it. Like, man, I like the dude. I really did. I, I hope he comes back. I, he, I think boxing is more fun with him in it. I hope he's back soon. I, if he's not, God bless him. But uh, I feel like he has a lot more to give. The, the Keith Thurman era is, was and hopefully is and will be very enjoyable. Absolutely. So we, we enjoy Keith. We enjoy you as well, man. You always Thanks, you, you help bring so much class to the show because, let's, let's face it, I'm, I'm a wreck at times. So you bless up the joint. <laughs> So we we definitely yeah. appreciate you coming on as, as always. You will definitely have your appearance. I'm guessing are we going to do what the week of Triple G Canelo or maybe the week before? Well, you're going to be around on the show around that time. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah. So we'll we'll definitely get your take in regards to that. So we want to make sure you're on the show uh, prior to that because that that's a big fight weekend. And I think we're going to play a game when you have your next appearance since September is going to be such a big month. Is who's more who's more more than likely to be upset? So what we're going to do is I'm going to make sure come September for your next appearance, I'm going to have the betting odds on who's, you know, the most heavily favorite and who do we think amongst all those fights in September is more likely to get upset. So that's something we're going to plan here for September. So all my gamblers out there, I think that appearance that Adam has, it's going to be a big one here in September. We're going to, we're going to help you gamblers out and who we think is going to be the most likely to get upset. 
So we'll call yeah. it a gambler special. I don't know. I'll figure out something. But yeah, um, as always, lot. Adam. Definitely. Yeah, go ahead. No, as always, uh, thank you for having me. I just wanted to uh, uh, just do a little quick plug for uh, uh, SaturnateBoxing.com. Uh, I had a uh, very passionate piece on the Kovalev fight. Um uh, very, uh, some people took issue with a few things that I said, and uh, you know what? Sometimes you got to just plant your flag and have some opinions, and if people come after you a little bit, so be it. That's part of why you write. Uh, 95% of the interaction has been wonderful, and there are a couple people I had to block or delete uh, because they can't argue like human beings, and so such is life. Uh, so there's that. Uh, there's also an interesting piece uh, I wrote last week on a fighter named uh, Zora uh, Hamazarian, and uh, he's a fighter who lost on Showbox and in, a, in an awful robbery a few weeks ago. So I had an opportunity to meet him and kind of get his story. And uh, this guy is so upset that he literally still carries around the scorecards from that fight. Uh, he's from Armenia. He spoke through an interpreter. But as soon as he sat down, he reached inside of his jeans and he slammed down a copy of the scores right on the table. I mean, you could just see the effect, you know, it's like putting a face to the robbery. We, we see robberies, bad decisions that hurt people, but you have to understand, like, you know, these are kids' futures and uh, they have grand plans and momentum. And to see a fight where a guy wins eight rounds, lose on the scorecards. With a not, he knocked the other guy down too. I mean, so anyway, that's up there. It's, it's kind of a short piece, but interesting. And so I encourage you to read that. And you could also follow me on SN Boxing on Twitter. And I have a Facebook boxing group. Uh, SN Boxing and Brandon as always thank you for having me I really appreciate it and have a great birthday tomorrow oh man I appreciate you as always Adam you're always fun you always help bring so much life here to the show uh, next week we'll be joined by another young fighter Mario Barrios who just fought a couple of weeks ago he's an opening fight uh, there on Showtime a part of the um, the Mikey Garcia uh, Robert Easter Jr. card uh, he's going to join me here next week uh, to talk about uh, what's next for him and how he's, you know, a young father dealing with the hype around him. So uh, he's going to be my guest next week. Uh, until then, man, I, I appreciate everyone. Shout out to Tom Leffler. Uh, Hollywood Fight Night's going on right now. So shout out to him and everybody at 360 Promotions. Big thank you to Timofo Lopez, everybody at Top Rank. Shout out to them as well. Uh, until next week, I want everyone to stay safe, stay blessed, love one another. That's the only way we're going to get through this. Happy birthday to me. This is Brandon Stubbs, and I am out.